Listener supported. WNYC Studios. This is Brian Lair's Daily Politics Podcast from WNYC Studios. It's Thursday, February 1st. I'm Bridget Bergen, senior reporter in the WNYC and Gothamist newsroom, filling in for Brian today. History was made, again, at the U.S. Capitol this week. For the first time in nearly 150 years, House members advanced articles of impeachment against a sitting cabinet member. In a marathon hearing that stretched from Tuesday morning until early Wednesday, the House Committee on Homeland Security voted down party lines on two articles of impeachment against Alejandro Mayorkas. The Homeland Security Secretary has been widely criticized by Republican lawmakers over the agency's handling of security at the southern border. Here's committee chair Congressman Mark Green of Tennessee during his opening statement at the hearing on Tuesday. We're here because our oath and duty compel us to be here. The actions and decisions of Secretary Mayorkas have left us with no other option than to proceed with articles of impeachment. To quote Madison once again, perhaps the greatest danger of abuse in the executive power lies in the improper continuance of bad men in office, end quote. We cannot allow this man to remain in office any longer. The time for accountability is now. Given the deep partisan divide that has come to dominate politics in Washington and across the country, it's no surprise that Democrats framed this hearing very differently. Here's Ranking Committee member Congressman Benny Thompson of Mississippi. The sham impeachment of Secretary Mayorkas is a baseless political stunt by extreme mega Republicans. Chairman Green, Representative Margaret Taylor Green, and others have pushed for and even fundraised based on this pre-planned, predetermined scapegoating of the secretary. So what is going on? What's the substance of the charges facing Secretary Mayorkas? What are the politics at play? And how does this connect to the biggest political event of the year, the upcoming presidential election? Joining us now to unpack all those questions and more is Jacqueline Alemany, congressional investigations reporter for The Washington Post. Jacqueline, welcome back to the show. Hey, good morning. Thanks so much for having me. And Jacqueline, I mentioned that this was a marathon hearing, but can you set the scene for us a bit? Who were the key players and, and why did this go on so long? Yeah, this has been ongoing for uh, about a year now, really ever since Republicans took back the House majority um, in the 117th Congress when you just all heard um, those vows from people like Congressman Marjorie Taylor Greene and others who even before in any sort of impeachment investigation or proceedings began uh, promised voters that they were going to impeach Alejandro Mayorkas. Um, the main players uh, that we're seeing lead this charge forward and, and finally execute this impeachment right now is the um, chairman of the Committee on Homeland Security, Congressman Mark Green of Tennessee, um, who is leading the committee and this week introduced two articles of impeachment uh, against Alejandro Mayorkas, um, one a betrayal of, of public trust, and the other really boils down to uh, the allegation that he's broken the law by refusing to enforce immigration statutes that would prevent migrants from from entering the United States. Obviously, right now, um, there have been record numbers of migrants that have been crossing the border, but the issue um, at play here is, is essentially that 
what Green is charging Mayorkas for does not actually arise to high crimes and misdemeanors. And ultimately, the migrant crisis, the migrant crisis won't be addressed by impeachment at all. And, and rather, uh, the proceedings and negotiations taking place in the upper chamber with regards to the border deal that's being negotiated on a bipartisan basis by lawmakers is what could address that crisis. Mm. So we're sort of seeing a split screen in Congress right now. Absolutely. Jacqueline, you started to get into this, and we know that the issues at the U.S.-Mexico border are the backdrop for this hearing with a record record number of migrants entering the country. We even heard President Biden say this recently, that if a bipartisan immigration deal was passed, he would do this. It also give me as president the emergency authority to shut down the border until it could get back under control. If that bill were the law today, I'd shut down the border right now and fix it quickly. Why do we hear this new hard line from President Biden, and how does it connect to the hearing that happened this week? Yeah, I think that there's sort of a twofold reason. There's obviously a political calculus here. This is something that Biden has not gotten very good reviews on as border crossings has caused a major strain to federal, state, and local governments and and resources. Um, It has become a very overheated conversation on the right and that has further been inflamed by uh, you know, the uh, essentially de facto nominee of the Republican Party for the 2024 election, President Trump, former President Trump, um, and House Republicans who have mimicked his language. And so you've seen the Biden administration finally try to address this head on and get ahead of um, some of the, the messaging battles that they've previously been losing. And and. But secondly, this deal actually does address a lot of the policy issues that have been under discussion, um, policy issues that actually, uh, you know, Republican lawmakers have been saying and, and clamoring for Congress to address for years now. Um, one of my colleagues has a really good layout of, of all of the things that Republican lawmakers have said over the past few years about what needs to happen on the border um, that just a a few years ago, you know, Trump had wanted Congress to work on changing asylum laws um, uh, and and basically taking legislative action. And now you've seen, um, you know, in this election cycle, as we get closer to November, people like House Speaker Mike Johnson, people like Senator Ted Cruz, who obviously represents uh, a border state, claim now that 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 Congress isn't needed to address the the crisis at the border and that actually the president has enough powers to do this himself. So really a a 180 on what they were previously arguing about. But how this this all relates to the hearing this week is that, you know, as they have been as the House has been trying to impeach Mayorkas and blame him for what a lot of people, constitutional experts, even Republican constitutional scholars have argued amounts to a policy difference, um, which they have claimed is an, is an impeachable offense. The upper chamber has been working on addressing these policy differences. And it's sort of been hard to reconcile, uh, as you can imagine, someone, um, you know, in, in one chamber, Alejandro Mayorkas being uh, criticized as um, you know, the the cause of the surge at the border, 
while in the other chamber, he's been someone who's been integral to the negotiations taking place between lawmakers for months now. You know, over the, the Christmas break during recess, he was spotted um, back and forth on the Hill, sitting mm-hmm. in the room and, and trying to get this deal past the stalemate and, and uh, finalized. What are the specific crimes Republicans are accusing Mayorkas of? What makes up these two articles of impeachment? Yeah, that's a, a really good question, and it's definitely under debate right now. They have charged that Mayorkas was lying under oath about the state of the border. This is under the charge of the betrayal of the public trust. This is surrounds this term that he used when he testified before Congress in 2022 when he said that um, the Department of Homeland Security had, quote, operational control. Hmm. The definition of this um, according to Mayorkas, as employed by the Border Patrol, is the ability to detect, respond, um, and, and, and intercede border penetrations in areas deemed as high priority. But there was a 2006 law that was called the Secure Fence Act, and that defines the term a bit differently as the absence of any unlawful crossings or mi- of migrants or drugs. So they've tried to nail Mayorkas on that. They've also said that he has been obstructing their investigation. Um, they listed, you know, 31 different requests that have been partially or completely unsatisfied by Homeland Security. But Mayorkas, as the department has noted, has actually been one of the most cooperative cabinet members appearing before Congress dozens of times. Um, the the primary charge, though, is is that he's broken the law by refusing to enforce immigration statutes. Um, but uh, and, and this means that he's failed to uphold certain aspects of immigration law, which mm. they believe is, is a constitutional crime. Um, but, you know, policy experts and again, constitutional scholars and past secretaries of Homeland Security and even, you know, there have been some former legal advisors to President Trump, former President Trump, who noted um, that that they do not agree with this assessment of it rising to high crimes and misdemeanors. Um, as laid out by the Constitution, and that at the end of the day, the and a presidential administration does have wide latitude in how to control the border, and that there's there they do not feel like Mayorkas has exceeded those authorities that have been given to the executive branch. Jacqueline, I'm going to play a little bit more tape from that hearing this week. Uh, we know Republicans have taken a very hard line on this issue, making Mayorkas their target. Uh, while Democrats say Republicans are just taking a cue from former President Trump, who has made it clear that he wants to make the border and immigration central to his campaign this year. Uh, here is Texas Republican Congressman Tony Gonzalez at the hearing on Tuesday. One of the most difficult things about Congress is it's filled with nothing but lawyers, and they'll talk all day about uh, this, that, or the other, which is, I think, frustrating to many Americans. Uh, this is what's going to happen. The House of Representatives is going to impeach Secretary Mayorkas, and there is absolutely nothing anyone can do to stop it. And then a response from New York Democrat Congressman Dan Goldman. You are sitting here right now trying to impeach a secretary of Homeland Security for neglecting his duties literally while he is trying to perform his duties and negotiate legislation. Now, the real reason we are here, as we all know, is because Donald Trump wants to run on immigration for as his number one issue in the November 2024 election. And you don't have to take my word for it. 
because he said it himself. Jacqueline, we know that both of these members are really appealing to their own bases, their own constituencies. But let's translate a little bit of what we heard there first from Gonzalez. Um, You mentioned (laughs) we know that this uh, impeachment proceeding has made it out of committee. But what's the timeline that we're talking about and, and what happens next here potentially? Yeah, and I just want to say that all of those things that were just said by those two members all can be true. Um, and, and this is why I think that we're seeing such a stalemate in, in the House. Um, but as for the timeline, um, I think Congressman Gonzalez is absolutely right. This is, this is likely going to make it through the House. It, it's already made it out of the hearing after the markup on Tuesday. It's likely to be brought to the House floor for a vote next week. There are two members who have expressed a bit of reticence about supporting uh, this vote. And with such a slim majority, Speaker Johnson needs those two members in order for this to make it out of the House. That's uh, Congressman Ken Ken Buck and Congressman Tom McClintock. But these are people who have previously expressed reluctance or concern about voting for things that they did not think were constitutionally sound. And ultimately, at the end of the day, when they were tested on it for a vote, they ended up voting on party line. Um, I don't think that there is much concern from uh, the WHIP's office and and the Speaker's office about whether or not they have the votes to get this through. It's just a matter of procedure and time. Um, uh, But again, then this would make it to the Senate. And actually, in a potential hypothetical Senate trial, it would work a little bit differently than what we've previously seen with impeachment trials, because Mm. this is a a cabinet member. there's actually uh, a little bit of, of leeway in, in terms of the reading of the Constitution. The Senate is not required to hold a trial. They, the chamber can instead just refer the articles of impeachment to a smaller committee or um, Senator uh, and, and Majority Leader Chuck Schumer can just move to vote on a motion to dismiss the charges right off the bat. Mm-hmm. Obviously, Democrats have the majority in the, in the Senate, so it's a, you know, there there's that that's a factor that's at play here. Um, but again, at the end of the day, uh, it, Mayorkas is is very unlikely to be convicted by the Senate. And then let's just for a moment underscore the point that uh, Congressman Goldman is making, who who really is framing this as a issue of the politics of 2024 um, and reinforcing the fact that, as you said, President Trump, former President Trump has said that They don't want to give a win to Democrats or to President Biden on this particular issue. And so, you know, that leads me to my next question, which is also the status of this bill that has been talked about for months, uh, a deal to address immigration and border security. You know, you talked about how it lays out, you know, some specific responses to some of the biggest issues. You know, what's dare I ask what the status of that bill is at this point? Is there any chance of it seeing the light of day? given the rhetoric that we're hearing now? Well, as of this week, that bill is languishing. We still have not seen the border text, but as negotiations have continued and and Trump has thrown cold water on it and urged members not to support it, you have seen some Republican senators in the House who were previously behind getting something through start to question whether or not they should take a hard vote on something that is destined to fail in the House. Um, But we have seen dribs and drabs of some of the more specific 
provisions included in this, this bipartisan deal that Mayorkas has been intimately involved with negotiating, um, along with Republican Senator James Langford. Um, there is uh, a provision that would um, kick in when to shut down the border when unauthorized crossings surpass 5,000 uh, uh, migrants a day over a five-day average. Um, there is also additional resources for more beds and detention centers and immigration courts to process migrants who do come in through port of entry. Um, there is going to be a, a new way to change the U.S. asylum process to reduce the average time of an asylum claim that would be resolved from several years down to six months. It raises the standards for migrants to be able to make asylum claims in the first place. And um, the, the one thing that is still a, under a, a bit of um, negotiation is this I, this humanitarian parole powers mm -hmm. and whether or not the bill will ultimately dramatically curtail Biden's use of the parole powers for certain categories of migrants. That's not yet in the final deal. But again, we have not seen the final text and um, we're hoping to see that this week as 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 lawmakers have promised. We know that uh, the new House Speaker, Mike Johnson, gave his first floor speech yesterday um, with immigration being a central issue. Even if there is an agreement reached, what are the obstacles that it faces in the House? Yeah, I mean, it, this is this is herein lies the problem with such a slim majority. There are are people on on both the far left and the hard right who oppose the deal, which is why um, it faces some such slim chances of ultimately getting made into law. The other fact of the matter, um, other than some there's the obvious opposition from hardline Republicans that this bill isn't strong enough on the border. There's obviously the pressure from Donald Trump not to give Joe Biden a win. But there's the, there's concern from the far left that this is not what their base or their constituents want, that um, they they feel like some of these provisions are inhumane. Um, and that this is not the way to address the crisis at the border. There are some Democratic members who rep who represent uh, border districts who do not are not in favor of this bill. Um, but the other uh, issue at play is is that this is also tied into additional funding for Ukraine, right. um, which is something that Republicans in the House, especially, still uh, largely oppose. Um, so there are a lot of different components tied in here, and that's why you're starting to hear some talk crop up about separating this bill and um, kind of forcing the hand of Republicans to make it as, as difficult as possible from a messaging perspective for them to vote against it. Mm. Um, Democrats have been discussing this potential lately. If there is no Ukraine attached to it, it gives them less of a reason to vote against it, especially when they've been asking for changes to address the migrant crisis. And Democrats feel that this bill does just that. But we're going to leave it there for now. My guest has been Jacqueline Alamany, the congressional investigations reporter for The Washington Post. Jacqueline, thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Really appreciate it. Brian Lehrer, A Daily Politics Podcast, is an excerpt from my live daily radio show, The Brian Lehrer Show, on WNYC Radio, 10 a.m. to noon Eastern Time, if you want to listen live at WNYC.org. Thanks for listening today. Talk to you next time.